Thank you for joining us for another episode of Jackman Radio. I am your host, Mike Jackman, and I am very excited tonight. I am joined by an extraordinary uh, documentary filmmaker and researcher, Mr. Nelson Martins, uh, also known as DJ Thermal Detonator. Um, he's made some really awesome films about 9-11 and puts forward really good, solid information um, that I think is lacking from the discourse. Nelson, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really glad to be here. I'm doing very well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. And I know we've been talking for months about trying to put this together, and I'm glad that we that we finally could. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So just to kind of get into it, um, you know, if you want to tell our viewers a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into the area of 9-11 and what, what kind of drew you to that. Yeah, um, you know, I guess like a good part is maybe like, you know, when 9-11 happened, I mean, I was 28 years old, you know, and I just, uh, I was just about to get my uh, first, my, not my first job, but my, my first big job uh, working at Amoeba Music because uh, I was already kind of uh, in between Southern California and Central California where I currently reside now. But at that time during 9-11, when it happened, um, you know, it, it freaked me out and, um, but, you know, I just kind of like, you know, wanted to carry on with, you know, carry on and like, you know, didn't want to keep grieving. And, you know, I had my job and I just started working in Hollywood and um, working at like basically like the biggest record store. And I've been a big record collector, you know, a DJ uh, for a couple of years, you know, with doing gothic and uh, mostly industrial music and you know, a little bit of punk and stuff. I mean, I, that's kind of the my roots of influence and stuff. You know, and then, you know, years went by and, you know, and it's like, I, I remember hearing about the, you know, the, uh, the Iraq war role, you know, drum roll, you know, uh, I had people saying, hey, look, they're going in there for the oil. And, you know, that was, you know, I was suspicious of that stuff. And then, by you know, by like by 2004, uh, you know, one of the cool things about my job is that we had a huge documentary section. So. They let us like low. He, they gave us loan logs. We could borrow music, any media, and uh, you know, I was watching like a lot of these documentaries of you know the scandals going on with the Iraq War, and then you know, obviously the big one that really mattered and had a big effect on me, believe it or not, was Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9/11, and um, you know, and the, and it really kind of you know, drew me in the idea of conspiracy theory of the, the, the government, of a government role. And, you know, because of seeing like, you know, the, the Bush family connections going back with the Bin Ladens and, you know, all this police state stuff going on. I'm like, you know, and that's the kind of the mess, this is kind of the message I thought, you know, Michael Moore was uh, kind of putting into his film. But uh, then, like, you know, I, I lost my job there, in, like, in 2007, and um, I uh, ran into Loose Change <laughs> on an internet forum um, posted by this uh, promoter I knew from San Diego. And, you know, I wasn't even really, really uh, nifty with the internet then, you know. I wasn't really, no, you know, I didn't know how to use the Google video search you know, you know, features yet, you know, they, and, and, you know, Google video had just started as well. So I wasn't even super friendly, you know, used to YouTube yet. So I was going back and forth to, the, you know, watching this, you know, and then uh, watching loose change second edition. I'm just like blown away, you know, pissed, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember then seeing zeitgeist, you know, this is when MySpace was big too. So then I started seeing more conspiracy con, you know, content on MySpace. You know, and then by, uh, you know, 2000, either later that year or 2008, you know, I'm part of the uh, Ron Paul support. You know, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I get introduced to Ron Paul because uh, someone had told me how, how, you know, his anti-war stance. And I was really skeptical because he was Republican because, you know, I'm like, I was in a very anti, you know, Republican mode pretty much, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I had even voted for Kerry into 2004 election, believe it or not. I did too. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So you know what I'm saying. So you 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 get it. Um. So the Ron Paul thing, you know, impressed me, but then you know, um, you know, after he stopped running, you know, I didn't know what to do, and uh, then I started running across Alex Jones stuff, 
because I remembered Terror Storm because I I saw that I saw the DVD when I worked at Amoeba, but I never checked it out because somebody <laughs> gave me like a bad review of it, like oh the guy's got a raspy voice. I'm like you know, <laughs> and then I, like lo and behold, you know this could have been the just right. Oh, uh, I think you froze up on me there, Nelson. Sorry, guys, might be an issue with the connection. Oh, there, there you are. Yeah, yeah, and, and someone's saying your mic is a little faint. If you want to try and, if you could turn that up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Sorry about, about that, now? guys. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Let me know, guys, in the chat too, if that sounds better. So yeah, so you saw Endgame, and uh, that's got that really ominous cover of like the UN, the wash in green with a big skull on it. And it's, oh no, it's, no, Terror Storm, Terror oh, Storm. I'm sorry, that, Terror Storm. That was before Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Terror yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Liked, I, I like Terror Storm, man. I watched that too. That was like oh five oh six. Yeah, there were some things. There were some things I liked for a bit, you know. But then you know, I, I seven seven. Yeah, you know, and then I started to see like, whoa, you know, Ron Paul was a frequent guest on the Infowars show, and then. Lo and behold, I'm like, whoa, I think I found, oh, look, he's promoting, uh, uh, he distributes loose change. Holy shit. I think I found my, you know, my match made for, for media, you, you know, you know, and I, and I can see why Alex Jones, you know, co-opted, you know, loose change. But anyways, um, you know, so I got into that. I was listening to him for like four years straight, you know, at least, you know, at least the first two years, pretty much like not really suspicious of him but you know but then i started to get suspicious of him you know especially after the gun rally thing in texas and the way he freaked out in the crowd you know when he showed up there bullhorning and you know when they were <laughs> causing going, a scene know, when, yeah yeah causing a whole scene and all that <laughs> stuff so started to get suspicious and then i got you know i got really you know disenfranchised by 2012 with the you know the way uh, he, tr you know the, the way money bombs were being ran at the same time Ron Paul was running his, and it was like it was really important to get you know as much Ron Paul support then, and then the whole Rand Paul fiasco thing with endorsing Romney. I mean, I was I was really you know pissed off that all that happened, and I was just like really more more suspicious of Jones then, you know, because you know he was he was already starting with the with the you know the fake shooting stuff with Aurora. I mean, it's really getting close to Sandy Hook, you know. You know. Yeah. So right. you know, but but at that but at that point, you know, but at that point in 2012, I already was like really familiar, starting to become familiar with the Israeli role. I was learning more about Zionism. I was learning more about all these things by that point, and but you know, and knowing what I already knew about like you know the van testing positive for explosives without even having the documents yet, I just could not get why they could not the movement could not get itself focused on that. When all they wanted to focus on is explosives in the Twin Towers, so that that really I'm like, there's something wrong here, you know. It took me a long time to figure it out, just like, you know, um, I think we've talked about before, but you know, with the Pentagon, because this whole no plane hit the Pentagon thing is what really ruined it, and it just, um, you know, a few years later, I just started, to, well, not that long afterwards, I started doing inconvenient 9/11 truth. I started, you know. Um, taking Ryan Dawson's work, you know, because he was the one, you know, pointing these things out and um, make a good point of it all. And, uh, you know, I thought over time that this should be part be part of uh, We Are Change LA, which I was already, you know, a member of by 2008. I think I forgot to really cover that, but, I, you know, I'd already been a We Are Change LA member since like 2008. And, um, uh, you know, after making like inconvenient 9-11 truth, I just kept making newer versions of it. And, you know, I moved away and then, you know, the whole Sandy Hook thing came around and it really just destroyed our movement even more so, uh, you know, and uh, I just continued making more films and, uh, you know, researching more uh, other things and uh, other angles, uh, you know, particularly with the hijackings, I'm finding, you know, finding out that the big flaw isn't so much that we don't focus on Israel. It's all, there's almost too much focus, like in wrong and the wrong angles sometimes. But <clears throat> there's nothing there's, that the whole Al Qaeda thing isn't really understood well, really well, or what it is. And um, you know, that's kind of the angle. That's more the angles that I do more of now as well too. Is well with with the you know the Mossad roles. So you know, I uh, 
started putting more effort and attention to my channel and you know it started to grow and and here I, i'm here i am now you know and uh you know dead movement and right uh, right the I'm idea also, of them yeah you know, the idea of films still continuing making films still have lots of things to to, to expose you know Sorry. Yeah. I th oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, I think like a lot of things, you know, especially with the last couple of years, everything's now more uh, remote and maybe done online and maybe like we're talking here, you know, on a friggin' screen, uh, how many miles, thousands of miles away from each other, which is, which is crazy to think about, you know, considering um, we actually met back in 2009 in New York City at uh, Cooper Union and uh, the thumbnail for our, our stream tonight is you and da actor Daniel Sanjata, which is a photograph that I took and uh, then mailed it to you, snail mailed it to you apparently, which I forgot. I thought I, I, I knew that I, I took your information down, but I didn't know if I emailed it to you or snail mailed it. But yeah. um, that just shows you how much things have changed just in however many years. Yeah. What was that, 13? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was for the eight year anniversary. And you know, this is a great point. That's the first time I only time I went to New York. You know, I was in yeah. We Are Change LA. There was there was five other people, five other people from We Are Change LA that showed up. You know, I you know I, I got to meet William Rodriguez. My 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 phone was crappy. You know, I met uh, one of the other uh, We Are Change members, and then you know I wanted to take the photo with Sanjata, but the phone crapped out, and I just like saw you, and you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I my friend. I think I had a good camera then. I didn't have a cell phone. I, I didn't. I didn't own a cell phone for years, but I had a good, like, regular camera that it was taken on. So, um, but you know, back in those days, man, the movement was pretty electric. And I, I have, I have to say, um, having kind of been involved in this in some capacity since late two thousand five, early 06, 06, 07 was really, really the, the couple of really big years with this stuff. And it, it started to wane a little bit after oh nine, but oh eight, oh nine was still pretty good. Um, yeah. There was, there seemed to be a unified message in a lot of ways, but um, you get to a point like any movement where people accuse each other of being disinfo or people are emotionally attached to their pet theories that they can't look at information that's shown to them that might counter what they believe almost with yeah. a religious fervor. And that's kind of what I ran into by 2008. Um, I actually gave a talk in New York City with uh, Justin Martell, my friend who was also doing this stuff with me in college, and it was an, it was a smaller offshoot. Um, at the venue. But one of the things I really focused on was some of the stuff Cynthia McKinney was bringing to light um, and some of the, you know, financial connections. And and I think I spoke briefly about the war games, but I was trying to kind of move away by 2008 from the anomalies with the buildings and um, the more glamorous or sexier stuff, I guess you could say that people are like really seem to want to always just fixate on. Um, because a lot of the stuff that you dig into is is like... <laughs> You know, in your movies, you're looking at a news article that was on page seven that maybe appeared once and then, you know, it was never retracted or never denied, but it just never showed up again. It wasn't focused on by the mainstream media or even by alternative media in some cases. So that's yeah. what I that's what I really find fascinating about your films and, and your your film inside. Um, I think it's called Inside Job. Uh, Boston Logan 9-11 really goes into a lot of that stuff. So um, I would really recommend anybody watching this if you haven't checked out. Um, Nelson's page. It's called. It's just Truth or TV on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Truth or TV. TV, and that yeah. documentary is probably what four or five hours or something. Like, it's like four hours. Well, that was two hours. That's two oh, hours and fifteen minutes. Okay, it's a scant two hours. Are longer. Yeah, it's the other ones. It's the ones older than that. But the most recent one is only two hours fifteen minutes. That, that's the one you're talking about. The inside yeah. job of But I got one that's called. It's six hours, and it's called Bojinka Maximum. And That's it right. It does cover a little bit of. It does cover a good chunk of Boston Logan, but I didn't want to get too much because I cover lots of airports. Yeah. That's the one that's really, you know. But let me. But let me tell you, man. Like, like when I when I met you then, you know, it's like, dude, I wasn't a filmmaker. I was just like, you know, somebody. You know, I, I was unemployed then, and I was able to get around still. But I mean, I, I was just there to pass the flyers out, you know, pass the DVDs out. I, I thought the work was done. I know. I thought we were out to save the world. Just beginning. <laughs> oh man, I know, man. Yeah, two thousand six, dude. I totally do, man. I went down to um, Cooper Union and Ground Zero in two thousand six for the five year anniversary, and um, you know it was electric. I mean, it, it was um, there was solidarity. There were family members there. There were survivors. Of course, Willie Rodriguez was there. Um, I don't know if he, I think he was there in 06. He was definitely there when we went in 08 and 09. And I and we had Willie up to our neck of the woods to do an event. He's a great guy. 
Um, but there seemed to be more unity and there seemed to be a feeling like we could get some of this information out there and break the mainstream. But then you had people like Morgan Reynolds going on TV and talking about all this crazy shit. And he was a Bush administration appointee, which is very interesting, by the way. You got to wonder, was he still was he still on the payroll when he went on TV and talked about cartoon planes? You know, so and look, like, like, but we have to talk about Cass Sunstein. Why? What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The what, memo, the Harvard. What, but that's the, like, that's the big accusation of like, oh, look, they put out that they infiltrate the story of truth. Movement. Why? You had Morgan Reynolds. Oh, well, a lot of plenty of people. Sh we shot ourselves in the foot with so much stuff. We're out there screaming on street corners about stuff that, that if a normal person walks by, they're like, seek help. They look at you. They're like, seek help. Now, the stuff that you get into is more dense and more, you know, you got to have a little bit of background knowledge about this stuff. But it's still, it's very important. It's the, it's the most important stuff because you could be running around in circles talking about your pet theory forever ad infinitum and you're going to lose everybody and you're going to end up in your own little, your own little circle getting nowhere, you know. And another one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on tonight was to talk about new information. Well, it's not really new information, but it's newly released information uh, with respect to Saudi Arabia, Omar Al-Bayoumi, and uh, Nawaf Al-Hazmi and Khalid Al-Midar. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Have you had a chance to kind of look into that at all? Or Oh, I would call it verified information. I right. mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about the story of the 28 pages. It's like at this point, you don't even need what well, I don't need to read anything. I could just watch the damn home video. <laughs> See? Yeah, the party. Hey, we're having a party. We could, we could, they look like got some good food there. And yeah. Like, what the fuck were they eating? <laughs> I couldn't tell. Was that turkey? Or, look like some or, kind of barbecue. Some kind of Austin barbecue. Infowars.com. Look like a good barbecue down there, Nelson. <laughs> they were partying, though. They were. But I mean, Omar Al-Bayoumi, the one we know, the one, I mean, we got new photos of him. We've only had that one photo of him was just kind of the black background and he's got his, the turban thing on. And then He, li he lied to the 9-11 like, Commission, confirmed. But he's right there in front of Anwar al-Awlaki. <laughs> who, who was a U.S. citizen that we drone-bombed, right? Well, that's, my, that's another big point. It's like, you know... It's like they didn't want to put they didn't want to put him in the 9/11 conspiracy. Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well what's crazy to me is that there's I remember reading like they're like, "Well, you know, it's by all means it's benign. It's not really a big deal. He just happened to meet these two future 9/11 hijackers at a at a small little restaurant on a street corner out in California. I think it was Los Angeles cuz he got he kind of no, guided it was, them, it was. he guided them to San Diego eventually, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he, he so Nelson, he just happened he just happened to meet them. They were having some right. some good tasty food, you know. He overheard I, yeah. them speaking I Arabic and he's a I nice guy, so he brought them to the mosque and they just, you know, he paid for their meal. They had a great time together, and you know, I, I, he didn't remember which direction they walked off in. That all turns out to be complete bullshit, folks. All of that, every bit of that's bullshit. Every every single part of that. I mean, I mean. It comes to a point is like how many chances do they had do they have to prevent the fucking thing? Yeah, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, because, it, it, because look, look, look. You're seeing the video, right? You're seeing the, just a little, just a news piece. I haven't even got to see all the treasure trove. There's supposed to be 20 hours worth of video, like 8,000 documents. I was looking at some this morning. I think it's like 14,000 documents. Yeah, you know, I was looking. I saw I saw bank records. I was looking. I'm like I'm like it was ridiculous. Like the things like you know and. This is them. This is him being busted in London, you know. Afterwards, you know, after 9/11, he's arrested in London. But this is, you know, but then they're carrying documents and home videos of them what they were doing, you know, a year and a half, two years later, back in San Diego. And this is what's part of this treasure trove. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm looking at this home video, and, and then like there's, you know, I see Khalid Al Madar. I mean, that's the big. That's the big. Shocker. I mean, that's the one they, they knew was in the country and they didn't let the FBI know. The CIA didn't let him know. I mean, he's the one that goes to the the uh, the uh, the Malaysia summit and, you know, he's tied in with the USS Cole. I mean, there's tons of stuff about him. I mean, he's a real he's a real deal. But then you've got all these other ones and I'm, that, that their faces are blurred out. And they say they say well, at one point, you know, there's the Al-Hazmi brothers. And I don't know why they're blurring that out. But then there's like you can see there's more people and you got to wonder, like, why are they all the other people blur you know blurred out? I'm like, who are they? And so you know, um, 
And I, you know, sometimes I suspect that they were part of, you know, they could have been people part of other hijacker teams that didn't succeed on that day. You know, who knows? They could have been people that were rounded up after 9-11 and, and kept an INS detention, you know, then slowly let go. You know, it's like. Yeah, because because that's one of the things that you talk about, I think, in the Logan one is or, or no, the, maybe the Bojinka one that. Yeah. OK, so there were ultimately four hijackings that were carried out, the four flights that we know of. But um, yeah. there's also news stories about uh, knives or box cutters or weapons being taped underneath seats that were found. And also mm -hmm. suspicious men who, who left uh, the plane before it took off and vanished. Uh, off the runway. So, oh, so in your film, there, there could have been as many, you think, as like nine or 10, like, like hijacks. Yeah. Oh, until, yeah and, until more of them. I mean, look, it's, it's the Bojinka plot. I mean, 9 11 was the, was the fulfilling of, yes, they say the Bojinka plot, you know, Ramsey Youssef, you know, the, the, the 1993 World Trade Center bomber, the, the nephew of KSM, you know, in 19, in December of 1994, when his, you know, you know, his, uh, Apartment catches on fire, uh, and uh, they was that in New York, New Jersey, in, um, Philippines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Ramsey oh, Ramsey used in the Philippines, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, you know, you f they find this plan on the laptop. They bust one of the roommates, but Ramsey Youssef flees. He goes, he goes back to Afghanistan. I'm sorry, back to Pakistan. But his his roommate Hakim Murad stays, and they find Ramsey Youssef's laptop, and his laptop has a plan that they were about to carry out, or sometime carry out. To hijack 12 planes, but well, originally it was to bomb 12 planes, but then there's a follow-up plan, or that it's morphed and it says that's the hijacking planes, and, there's, and it's a bunch of them from Asia, but it's also you know a bunch from the US, LAX, even JFK, you know, the Millennium JFK Plot. Airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this was supposed to happen, and this 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 event was was continually in motion, and then there were I I you know, point being, you know. This was still supposed to happen part of on part of Y2K, mm. okay? The Millennium Plot, you know, uh, where Ahmed Rassam they, they end up being thwarted because Ahmed Rassam, the Algerian in Canada, you know, he's caught over on the border with bombs and stuff, and they, they say he was just going to target, you know, LAX. No, he's going LAX for, you know, uh, you know, a whole other reason. Well. Now you look at this Saudi story that we just got right now. This Trevor treasure trove of you know evidence. These guys come into the country, you know, official. Well, in some documents, they're saying already by January of two thousand. This mm. is already you know two weeks, you know, three weeks, of, you know, after the Millennium Plot was supposed to happen. But now it seems like they're actually supposed to be probably in the country even sooner. But yeah. Now were, the, were these? Sorry to interrupt, but were these two of the hijackers that actually had their yes. names published in the phone book? You know yes. how there were. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But they also entered the. They also entered the country as Abdullah Abdullah. Right. Yeah. The, the paperwork, yeah. man. The paperwork, yeah. and a lot of it went through uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, yeah. which is. This is Khalid Al Mudar and Nawaf Al Hazmi. Flight from 77, Flight Seventy Seven. Right. Seventy hijackers. Right. So they're with Al Bayoumi. We got all these photos, you know. But but here's the thing: we've. We've come to find out. Omar Bal Bayoumi had, uh, had or, or, or the phone number of Omar Al Bayoumi was found on Ahmed Rassam. <laughs> so the reason why that was all there, reason why there was, is because that was going to be the West Coast, of, you know, operation. They were going to ready, you know, it wasn't going to wait till till just you know September two thousand one to wait a whole year and seven months later. No, no, no. I mean that's why. You know, that's why Al-Madar ends up fleeing and says, hey, you know, I, I'm assigned to go do another attack. And he, you know, he gets involved with the USS Cole. So that's right. my point. It's like this is all this is all, it's like how many times do they have that they have to prevent 9-11? You know, and it's because it's like you, if they have the millennium plot and you bust this one person. Why didn't they go after everybody else? Right, you pull on the thread, and it just it it it, yeah. it, it show, showcases all these other players. And um, um, you know, you were talking about um, the '93, you know, mastermind. And, and another thing that I, I think I saw it in one of your films, he happened to be in the same city in the Philippines as Terry Nichols, who was involved yes. in Oklahoma City, which is what we were talking about earlier off air about Dana Rohrbacher. Now he had questions when he was a sitting member of Congress that he wanted to ask. Um, um, Ramsey Yusuf, uh, when he was incarcerated in federal prison, you know, 
more than a de- more than a decade after after ninety three. Yeah. I think this was like two thousand eight. Rohrbacher wanted to talk yeah. to him, and the Bush administration were like, "No, you're not talking to him." So, so, so you think Rohrbacher, and certainly with your research, think you think that maybe Terry Nichols, who was involved in Oklahoma City, could have actually met up or been connected to Ramsey Yusuf somehow in an obscure small city in the Philippines there at the it, same it, time. It seems that that's what Terry Nichols probably told Rohrbacher, because there's a, there's enough there's enough reason to be, specu- I mean, to believe it. There's just too much of it. There's a there's a uh, CIA there's a Philippine CIA agent and he ended up passing away later on. His name was Edwin Angels or Edwin Engels, forget how you pronounce it, but uh, he said that there was always a guy coming in and visiting because he was part of he was infiltrated Abu Sayyaf. Because that's what that that's what all that's supposed to be. Ramsey Yusuf's supposed to be tied in with Abu Sayyaf in, in the Philippines. And they recall somebody that come and visit, they called him the farmer. And Terry Nichols went to the Philippines like nine times. You know, and he and he visit the 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 in laws. Well, that's what I mean. His in laws, and he was married. His wife was. A, oh, was he married, married to a Filipino girl? Filipino, yeah, a bride, oh. a Filipino male bride. Male order. From a, yeah, from, oh, from, from, from through Detroit, through, through Detroit, stuff, you know. And uh, not only that, like I, I can, I mean, I recommend this book, and it's a very very obscure author. It's called "I Heard You Were Going on Jihad." It's written by uh, an author named Mitchell Gray. And he found another document from an, I forget what source, but it was a federal document. And Ramsey Youssef, when he was in New York, he called a phone number to someone in New York that was actually like, like a relative to the, to to Terry McNichols, you know, uh, uh, wife's family. (laughs) So I'm saying, is it Mitchell Gray? That's what Adam Fitzgerald's saying in the, yeah. So uh, so, so did Ramsey Yusuf? Was he? Do you feel like he was an FBI informant, or he, or he was stringing them along, or I mean, because you got that footage of all those guys in the garage there who were supposedly like mixing this thing up and 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 you know putting together the bomb. Um, oh, whoa, 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 that's different. That's that's called that's called the that's called the Millennium Plot. That's an FBI sting operation for for the ninety three bombing. No, no, this is this is. Four months after the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, there's two big, well, I wouldn't call them busts. There's two big crimes that happened that year. One's the bombing, and one is the, the thwarted bombing attempts of multiple New York targets. We're was that with the blind, the blind sheik? Was he involved in that one? Yeah, well, that's what they that's what they say. That's the that's yeah. They try to tie to tie him in there. They don't do a very good job of it. I kind of like, you know, the only real technically the only crime he was he was legitimately I think was proven for was trying to whip up a plot to assassinate uh, Hazi Mubarak, the Egyptian president, when he came to visit the U.S. That's yeah. for certain. But he always talked about that kind of shit. So, he, I mean, he, yeah. you know, they, they arrested him, you know, in Egypt, you know, for calling out death for the president of Sadat. And what happened? Sadat got killed. <laughs> you know. Um, so, so, is, you, so is Yusuf still in um, federal? Supermax? Yeah, like in, in solitary? Because I know that that news report yeah, that you put up. Supposedly. And then he now, and he put on some front that he was converting to Christianity just to troll everybody, yeah, and, and yeah, that's yeah, bizarre, yeah. man. What a bizarre he put, figure! He put out a death. He put out a, a hit or a death threats on uh, Zacharias Masali. He wants him yeah. and it's because because Masali is wanting to want, wants to snitch out the, the the Saudi royals and and everyone else. He says they're really? all involved. He, oh yeah, he's yeah, he's actually he's actually quite uh, coherent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Masawi, yeah. No, yeah. no, he he was from uh, I forget the country, Morocco. Uh, Morocco. He was Moroccan. French. He's French. He's French, but Moroccan ethnicity. Yeah. And he was supposedly going to maybe be on Flight Eleven or something like that, right? Or or well, they say uh, maybe but you know, but you know that now he says he was supposed to be involved in follow up attacks, and that goes along with what my my Bojinka Maximum film is about. Because you know when the airports closed right after nine eleven and they started to reopen again, there were more hijacking attempts. You know, at JFK right. Airport, LaGuardia. You know, like in the, just in the weeks, days, and yeah. weeks following. I I remember that in the news, man. I was like, yeah. I was barely fifteen years old, but I remember seeing a lot of news stories about that, and even the stuff in your film where they where, where you in what in your films where you talk about, um, you know, truck bombs and the stuff on the bridge yeah. and the yeah. the bolo the bolo for the what ended up being urban movers. That shit yeah. was on the news in Massachusetts, in New England, in New Hampshire, and dude, that stuff was on the news, man, for most of the day. So I, I remember, I remember seeing that stuff, man. I actually remember dude. seeing that. 
and and it disappeared into obscurity seemingly you know yeah yeah tracing the whole uh, you know explosives on the george washington bridge and ums thing you know uh you know it's that it's you know it's the dancing israelis but there seems to be even more moving events that were out in massachusetts and, and, besides and you, yeah. and you you do a really great job in your films and going into that and kind of really breaking that all down in the timelines and you know how some of the news reports got mixed up with certain information and then later reported as 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 you know being yeah. factually accurate but then retracted but that's why your films are you know 2 to 4 hours long because you really go into that stuff because you know sometimes yeah. the stuff you hear off the ground might not be accurate or end up being true but there's a lot of times where the initial reports and the stuff you hear is true and and, and then it just gets memory hold yeah well yeah i mean uh, yeah and, and like with the with the george washington explosives in the george washington uh, bridge film that i have it's like you know a little over an hour long i mean yeah it you know it just proves that all those reports you know validate yeah there were people busted but not with explosives on the bridge with a van that tested positive for explosives but in the Meadowlands near a river bridge. And that's the dancing Israelis from Urban Moving Systems, you know. Uh, they were across and, the uh, water in Weehaw near Weehawken, right? Or, or yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Hudson. So, you yeah. Know, you know, uh, you know, there's there's still a lot of questions regarding the, the you know the other the other vans, but I was gonna say that the one film that and I and, and I recommend it, I, I, a lot of people think it's the best work I've really done is the film I've done on the nineteen ninety three World Trade Center bombing. <clears throat> And that one's, you know, five hours and you'd be you know, you'd be thinking like, why, you know, why so long, you know, versus like how much there is to talk about 9-11. I'm like, well, you know, 9-11 isn't just what happens on that day and afterwards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's no, it, there's, there are many things wrong with 1930. They, they, all well, it's, wrong. it's like an iceberg. You see the little bit above the water at the top and then there's everything else underneath that, that, yeah. It colors in the background information and of course it's the you know the coal bombing uh the bombing at the embassy um yeah all, all this stuff and, and and just before we go too far away from uh al bayoumi he's still yeah. a free man living in saudi arabia last i heard yeah yeah i look look i mean there's other things i mean and it's like even with saudi arabia i i, I know we talked about this earlier but you know, there's still a lot of Pakistani involvement too, <laughs> and right. no one's. I, I, we you know. Jacqueline Radio has been talking about Saeed Sheikh for a number of years, and when he was when it was when it was said that he was going to be released from a prison in, in uh, Pakistan, uh, I was like, "What? Like this? This is probably this is he actually the guy that set up Daniel Pearl, and um, probably the guy who was ordered to send money to Muhammad Atta. and he's and he he's was a free. He, he was he's a free, free man. And he and he was originally freed as a result of the Millennium Plot. You know, when they, they hijacked the plane in India, because remember, things were going on. And, and part of the, the thing was, is they wanted to free Saeed Sheikh. So Saeed Sheikh gets freed out of an, out of a, an Indian prison. Yeah, because that's where he that's where he was held at, because he was involved with other things. And then he still moves around. Yeah. And gets involved with the beheading. And yeah, yeah. he, he lured Daniel Pearl in, into that. When he yeah. was over there investigating ISI and terrorist he's, funding, he's British. He's really British. He's he's Pakistani ethnicity, but he's he's British. He's a British citizen. Wasn't he, he MI five or he was an MI five and MI six asset as well? Probably. I've read. Yeah, yeah I've read that. You know, you know, I heard that. And I, I've seen I've seen some of the the ads for it. They the the uh, the uh, Pakistani uh, uh, what do you call it? Netflix? They got a there's a whole TV show about Saeed Sheikh. Well, there's a movie called there's a movie called The Mighty Heart, which Angelina Jolie did, um, really? where she plays Daniel Pearl's wife. Oh, um, really? Yeah, which I, it dabbles in it a little bit. It came out in like I think 2007 or something like that, and it dabbles in it a little bit. But so you're actually there's actually a Netflix series, a Pakistani version of Netflix yeah. that goes into this. He's a hero, he's considered like a hero over there. So yeah, interesting, and he's yeah. he's also a free man today. There are you know? people involved from the Hamburg cell that are free today walking the street. Mamun Darknazali, the you know, Syrian Muslim Brotherhood people that basically end up creating ISIS. Right. Yeah. The Muslim Brotherhood is a very interesting uh, piece of this whole puzzle. And that, that goes back oh, yeah. to 
of course, the 1980s, but even way before then. I mean, the the Muslim Brotherhood. You're talking. When when did that really come in? Like 1920s, 1930s? Yeah, is that- 1920s. Al Banna is one of the, the last name of the founder. Yeah. Kind of connected to when Saudi Arabia, yeah. when, when the king, yeah. when the kingdom really kind of got going. When when when, when, when they realized yeah. that they were sitting on some some Texas tea over there, you know, yeah, when, yeah. when they, they really kind of got all that going. But it just seems like you know, with, with Biomi, with this Saudi protection. Um, you have the three Saudi princes that we talked about before we did the stream who were all, all died very, uh, I don't want to use the word mysteriously, but very conveniently within probably a week of each other, or at least a month. One of them was in a, a car accident, a young fellow in a car accident. One of them died from thirst and the other had a heart attack at 42 years old. So, and these are all three that yeah, were, that were all- inadvertently tied through Saudi connections to 9-11 in the kingdom. You remember when Bandar was in house arrest for a while? Remember that? We didn't know if Bandar was alive or dead, I think, up until a couple years ago. Nobody had seen him or heard from him. There was nothing oh, in the media. Happened, really? Yeah, there, we didn't even know if Bandar was still alive until a couple years ago. Which is I didn't know that. I, I remember there was an incident. He was on house arrest for like, I'm like, oh boy, that don't sound, that sounds guilty as, you know, it's like, it, it, this is a complex story because the deal it with is. the Saudi family it's not as it's not typical. I mean, fifty-two like siblings in some of these cases. Right. I mean, what the fuck? How do, I mean, yeah, they're going to be ones betraying one another. Yeah, it's that. I mean, we hear about it even with other dictators already that this that this happens. Yeah, so, but but I think the dam the dam has been broken for a long time on Saudi involvement with nine eleven, and yeah. I think this new this new newly released information and confirmation, especially. Um, the paymaster for Biomi. So Biomi was on Saudi intelligence payroll since probably 1990, early 1990s. And the guy that was cutting the checks, that guy's name was actually released in this dump. And he had been involved with, what do they call GID? I forget what Saudi intelligence is, is yeah, called. Yeah, GID, yeah. So he, he was an, he was official part of Saudi intelligence since 1975. And this is the guy who was cutting the checks for Biomi. Biomi is the guy who was hooking up two future 9-11 hijackers. So you you have it right there. And um, I don't know, what do we do? There's a lawsuit, but what really, what's going to be done about it, you know? Well, I I know it's the, well, the thing is, is that I don't want to fund these countries. I don't, I don't want to aid these countries. I I want out of of the Middle East completely. It's nobody there is our ally. Right. Right. Israel, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're not our friends. Everything grew. I want. I want out, out of there. I don't want. I don't want to jeopardize us. I don't want another terrorist attack. I don't want to. I, I don't care if it's going to happen when I'm not alive. I don't want. You know, it's like I don't want to see this country anybody have to go through that again. I know. I mean, it's, 9/11 was a horrible thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like I, I get that America's done. You know, war crimes and stuff. I mean, you know, Hiroshima and things like this. You know, you know, but that was. Uh, that was something never. I mean, that was broad daylight. That was you know, that was live television. That was it's, li- it's it was still real. it's still so shocking to me, Nelson. Honestly, and I talked it to is. my. I, I was yeah. I was a freshman in high school when it happened, and uh, oh, I watched. I, can't imagine. It, it, I mean, it's 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 just a part of my generation's identity. It's hard it's hard to explain <sighs> that. Yeah, I, I, I grew. Wanna, I don't want to inherit it, and it's like I don't want to inherit it. I, like, I know, and it's a part of the reason why I still continue to look into this and talk about. It. I think it still does matter. And I think it's relevant. And I think you see us, um, we, quote unquote, left Afghanistan last year after 20 years. That's directly tied to the events of 9-11 and, all, you know, all, all everything that's going on in the Middle East with our involvement. And you're talking about death and destruction and generational trauma that's going to continue to go on because of that day. And if, we don't, if we're not aware of the facts and the complete accounting of what happened, we're not going to have justice for the people that died for, or for their family members or for our country. Our country is not going to understand. I mean, can you imagine what, what do teachers tell kids who weren't even born on 9-11 about that day in school nowadays? Just thinking about that kind of boggles your mind a little bit. Like what, yeah. kind, of, what kind of bullshit are our kids being fed in school about 9-11 and how basic oh, do you I think know. that is? It's, pro- it's probably very basic. Yeah. The only the only good thing that the only good thing out of them is, at least, you know, you know, with us growing with social media, we've been enticed by the fantastical stuff with these no plane theories. You know, we've entertained them at one degree at one time. Sure. You know, obviously, some of us take longer to get off on it, but uh, but we eventually do. 
at least thankfully these kids if they do grow up they will they won't be in denial of the fucking hijackings <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there's I mean, kind of a lot of other things to learn about other arrests going on here. yeah i mean there's there's youtube videos which i've watched too which are based on you know flight data recording of the actual path of 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 the of these flights and of, of when the hijacking occurred. And, and you can actually see that kind of play out in real time. And it's disturbing to watch, but I think it's important to watch to understand that, you know, these guys were on the planes, they did hijack yeah. these planes and uh, you know, the, the, it, it happened in that respect, the way that it was, that they said that it happened. But like you said earlier, it's not just the events of that day. It's everything that came before it. And it's everything that's happened since then. That's also yeah. very important. And that, that gets yeah. left out so much um, whenever you have any kind of conversation with anybody about 9-11. It's very superficial, and the media reports on it once a year. They say never forget, but um, when you have you know information come out like we have in the last day or so about this Saudi Arabian uh, connection. Not, not it, really, and not enough, and not, and not, and not frequent oh, enough. It, it's, yeah. yeah, it's very superficial what they – what the I mean, I think – I don't know what channel it was, but they gave this story maybe two minutes. And here we are. We're 40 minutes into a stream, and we're not even being able to really go into all of it and crack the cocoa on it. But that's that's how complex and how deep this this uh, this one event is, you know? Oh, and it, it absolutely. It absolutely is. It's just it's it changed everything. I mean, it changed me. I mean, every everything. And it's, uh, you know, I, I still want to be optimistic. I don't want to, you know, want to have some sort of hope things and, and and I can see there are there have been you know drastic changes you know the way you know especially within our perception you know um, we don't and very very few people trust the government now you know yeah um, so that's an all time low isn't it isn't it that's an all time I didn't realize Dana Rohrbacher was actually outside the Capitol on January sixth. And he yeah, says he he, he, he says he was telling people not to go in. So, I mean, he was someone who was in Congress for years. So he, you know, he was a big Trump supporter. So I'm inclined to believe that he was just there to, you know, to uh, protest and, and and yeah. I, mean, I think I think most people who were there were just there to protest and 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 do the freedom freedom of speech thing. And there were some idiots who decided yeah. to to take it, you know, and break in and do that. And you know what? They're being arrested and they're being prosecuted as they should be for trespassing or whatever and they're being dealt with but they're using this event just like any other major event that they use to again you know uh survey american citizens and um try and lump them in with extremist groups if they have views that are outside of the mainstream so it's just the same old tired playbook yeah. that we've seen since 9 11 and, and you know seeing that happen and then seeing the iraq war happen based on those lies you know based on dick cheney and condoleezza rice going on television going on meet the press um, you know, Dick Russert and saying that there's a clear connection between Al Qaeda and Saddam Hussein. It's like, yeah, we're not, we won't get fooled again. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to buy into this bullshit. And most of it is bullshit that they're telling yeah. us, but, th but there is a lot of information out there that kind of, you know, it leaks out there or it's reported once or twice and then you never see it again. But if you take that information and you, and this is all mainstream stuff and you stitch it together, you get a lot of the stuff that comprises a lot of your films. Uh, yeah yeah without a doubt i mean that's yeah you know so yeah. do you have any uh are you working on a new one or you might be writing a book or what do you uh what do you got coming down the pipe well right now i'm working on the revising my 1993 bombing film it's going to be longer uh believe it or not I, like some people are like what but, it's uh, gonna be a 24-hour version it's a 24-hour straight Infowars, the 24th hour at infowars we've got nelson on here it's gonna be great folks infowars.com Nelson I love, it. I love it how you did that. You got to keep oh, the intensity. You gotta keep the humor. You know. Yeah. You got to keep the humor. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to do that, and then because uh, uh, I, I mean, I, there's a lot more things. Because there's a lot more things I could probably even expand on that. Because you know, with Ramsey Yusuf, you know, when he came into the country, because we're, I was talking about even like that. There's the New York landmark plot, and that's the FBI sting, and then there's the you know the the '93 bombing. Which has been often misthought of as being an FBI conspiracy because people think of uh, the FBI informant out of context. That FBI right. informant was involved in the New York landmark plot. He's not involved in the, the bombing. Okay, the 90, actual ninety three bombing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it's 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 taken out of context and it's it has to do with uh, uh, things regarding pipe bombs 
originally when they were when they were talking about like uh, um, putting like like bombing Jewish neighborhoods or something like that. That was before the ninety three bombing. But you know, everything still gets more organized out of a jail. But believe it or not, because it's it's mostly mostly through El Said Nosser. You know, who, right? They who still have influence. And they yeah. can make things happen. Thank you, John B., for the $10 sticker. Sorry, Nelson. I just got to thank uh, oh. some our super chat from uh, John B. And I'm just looking here to see if we have any questions for you um, in our live stream here. People are liking. Okay. Yeah, ISI Mossad and here Saudi involvement is evident from Darren Harvey. And he's got the Terra timeline as his photo. Awesome. Terror timeline is what I looked at throughout college, you know, after I kind of got into loose change and all that. I kind of went towards the terror timeline and they That's got the good. goods. They got the goods I on wish there. I would have done that sooner, man. I wish I would have done that sooner. Yeah, it's it's uh you know, and I'll look at the terror timeline, I'll click on a link and then go into that mainstream, you know, news story and then see what information they have in there and then look research the names that are it's just a, it's an endless thread. It's an endless thread and and you talked about how you use some of Ryan Dawson's work in your films. And man, his film, I don't know if it's Decade, Decades of Deception or War by Deception. I think he's got two 9-11 films, and those are several. Yeah. War, War by Deception, and that was the one that I sampled heavily. Not just that version. There's War is Always by Deception. That was like the three-hour version. I mean, he did long films, too. A lot of people that got turned off by that and... You know, but you got to watch those in in, installments, man. I I, honestly, your your films and uh, Ryan's films, I have to like pause them and take a break and walk away from the computer and and really digest it, you know. And and um, you know, one of the threads he's he pulled on, I think you and Adam Fitzgerald have written about it, is the uh, you know, uh, Denko and the sprinkler systems in the towers, yeah. And 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 that gal who ended up burning up in a car who got the yeah, uh, that's that's probably the most important piece of uh, story that ever that uh, Ryan Dawson's ever brought to the table as far as a nine eleven truth. Uh, I, I believe that is actually yeah. Yeah, he did that, and I think he he submitted the FOIA for the photographs of of the. No, of, uh, he didn't. He, he didn't. He was. He wasn't involved guy. in that. I, no, no, he, no, 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 no. It was some guy named. Uh, he was on Twitter. Uh, he, he it was. Well, Adam Green uh, broke broke it. Mm. He got he got it from the guy, and the guy went by the name as Pepe the Redaction Frog. <laughs> it was Pepe, huh? Pepe That's did what, it. But kind of a goofy guy. I tried to talk with him on Twitter, but the guy was just like you know all about Dove Zakheim. Oh, you know, the flight you know, systems. Yeah, yeah, total pentard. He's you know an unkosher pentard. You know. <laughs> I mean the name calling. I mean that is funny, but. Um, it, it is, but it's like, what else? What are you, you going to do? It's like, I mean, Ke- Kevin Ryan's <laughs> Mega 19 is a great resource, too. I don't know if you're how you feel about Ke- Kevin Ryan's oh. research. Are you not so much? He, he, he's, he doesn't think a plane, he doesn't think Flight 77 hit the Pentagon. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got him. Yes. And he, but he's, uh, cer- he's certainly he got, done some interesting work, though. With, with um, he accused Adam, he accused Adam Fitzgerald as being a, a, a CIA asset or CIA like, like, infiltrator uh. or whatever. Like That's no, stupid. No, no, and, and so they kicked him off as moderator. And he was moderator for the main, the main nine eleven truth group. It's got like forty four thousand people on. Who was Adam or? Oh, not Adam. No, Kevin Ryan was. Oh, Kevin Ryan. Moder- oh, okay, he was a moderator of the, one of these groups with a couple other people: Ken Doc, uh, Joe Haley, some others. You know, a lot of Canadians. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dad was from Canada. They got a propensity to call out bullshit. They really do. Yeah. That's I mean, that's where I got relatives in Canada. I got I mean, I come from a Portuguese uh, family background. Some of my relatives moved to Canada. So, yeah, my dad and his brothers are really kind of who um, when I was, you know, very young, um, you know, they had David Icke books. They they would question the Kennedy assassination. And my dad's brother, John, um, you know, told me about 9-11 when I was a young teenager that, that he had questions about it. I was like. No, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. But then he started talking to him. He was telling me about um, the dancing Israelis as early as like 2004. And I had no concept. No, no, seriously, Nelson. I, 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 I was like, I was like, first of all, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, I was I was like, I think I was 17 when he was telling me about that. I just couldn't grasp it. And I didn't even come. I didn't I didn't come back to that or come around to the information till years later. To, and and I and, and but he was talking about this in 2004, you know. So that's kind of that well, was my. Mike, that, Mike when, when I met you in 2009, I had probably barely got it into the dancing Israelis. Barely probably had learned about it then. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we come to this information and for, through different paths. And, uh, you know, I think the cream, I always say the cream rises to the top and yeah. the best information, the most solid information is going to win the day. So, yeah. no, you know, no matter how we get it out there, whether it's through doing live streams like this, writing books, um, you know, talking to people back in the day, it used to be burning DVDs. I certainly did yeah. my fair share of that in college. I burned, hey, I can't hey, even I, people, people lose change. That, they better not forget that old technique because if they're going to keep getting booted off of social media, all the main platforms, yeah. they want to get their message around. They better remember how to do that. You know, I know Elon Musk is another globalist billionaire, but I am happy to see that Twitter's taken a more, a more base turn in the last yeah. you know few days since he's got. Let's just at least give everybody a platform. And if they're promoting bad information or they're a racist asshole, well, guess what? We can identify who the racist assholes are. They've yeah, identified themselves. Go. Okay, they got a right to be a stupid racist asshole, yeah, exactly. and we can call them out. That's what we got the block button for. Exactly, man. We, we can take it. We, we can. This is what free speech is about, man. And, and yeah. you know, we've been doing this fight for a long time. And, and seeing the censorship that we have now is it's beyond alarming. I mean, for anybody who's been paying attention for as long as we have, it's, it's pretty fucking scary, to be honest. Like how, yeah, how, it's, it's how much people are willing to lie down and just take this thing and, and just accept it and just be but, like, well, we have to protect people from dangerous speech and hate speech and fuck you. You know, fuck you. But you know what sad thing is, is what opened that door? Sandy Hook. That's yeah. what opened that fucking every, door, dude. Every time and I have a conversation with a normie, I have to explain oh. Alex Jones and Sandy Hook. Every time some, some fucking Democrat or some liberal wants to talk to me about any of this stuff, immediately I have to, I have to answer for Sandy Hook. It's like... I never, I never believed that bullshit. I know. I, I didn't promote. I didn't promote that. I don't have I to. Know. I don't have to defend or answer what Alex. Alex Jones I, has a right to be wrong about that. He had, and, and this is what I said. Someone, someone brought up Alex Jones to me recently, and I was like, "Yes, he was wrong about Sandy Hook. I, I didn't agree with it then. I don't agree with it now. But, but the New York Times was wrong about the Iraq War, and where, where was their retraction? Oh, I know. And, and I, I totally crickets. I, I heard I crickets. And that's not, know, I'm not I'm not trying to be an apologist for Alex Jones, but you know I mean he he's he is right about a lot of stuff. Yeah, he I has been. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, they're turning the frogs gay, Nelson. <laughs> the frogs are turning gay. Well, but the the thing is, is that he propped this up to an, to an mm. ambush crowd. And when I mean an ambush crowd, I mean I'm talking the We Are Change chapter people. I mean these were right. people from We Are Change, Florida. That still went after uh, uh, after Lenny Posner, and I contacted Lenny Posner. I've actually have since since then. When I, even after warning people, even after already knowing people that were at the, were at that crime scene or knew somebody who lost loved ones, yeah. some cases you know there were people in the truth movement. But then Lenny Pos, I mean, Posner himself, you know, he was a former Alex Jones lizard. He was a truther himself. So the he, lost the he lost decided, a child. Yeah, he lost his son. He lost his son. Um, um, God, was it uh what was his son noah posner yeah that was his son okay. yeah you know yeah lost noah posner and yeah so you know the truth movement the truth movement went and kicked out somebody out of the truth movement because of just this crazy idea you know after the aurora shooting and you know it's just i think jones could have jones i know jones could have uh at least gotten himself out of this much in a much better way by now i mean yeah, uh, you know, even even to reduce whatever he's paying, all he had to do is just put out a documentary explaining that the fucking shooting happened, and and, and just do an apology, do the right thing. But that guy is not about doing the right thing. So it's like, I hate yeah. the fact that the whole, whole free the whole speech thing, the whole big tech thing, had to show itself. You know, I don't know. Maybe it was going to still show itself because the pandemic still happened. You know. And, you know, but they, 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 you know, they're definitely going after that. They're definitely going after, you know, anything that's kind of like challenging the establishment now, any kind of establishment narrative. So, yeah, I got a problem with it. But, you know, I, I hate the fact that it's still rooted through 9-11 truth, you know. Yeah, I know. And, and, and you know, it's like what Dawson says. It's it's what the your your group is. 9-11 truth for adults is what is what you say, but I think it should just be 9-11 truth. I mean, I, and when you say for adults, it's like, okay, well, we're discounting these people and these people, and we don't agree with this. And, but, but the problem is that the, the, like we've talked about, you know, uh, with the Pentagon or with the, you know, people believing in controlled demolition, um, people just can't get past those, those things. So 
how do you have a, a discussion with somebody about 9-11 where you point out, hey, this is research I've done. These are people I've talked to. Um, this is mainstream stuff that, that's been verified. What about this? And you, you, well, if you can even get a discussion with somebody and you go over those points, it, it, it's, it's hard for them to really kind of wrap their mind around it. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I, you know, I make my film. That's why, like with the uh, Bojinka Maximum, it's you know, you put the I, I show that and show the how that they were going to hijack more planes as soon as the airports reopen. You know, bye bye no plane theories, bye bye no hijacker theories. You know, that's why I put it out there. Unfortunately, we don't get the circulation like we used to. Like, uh, right, films don't circulate like they do on social media or just on YouTube re regular algorithms. So now, you know, now I have a little bit of an uphill battle. But I tell you, it's as far as people watching it, it's actually that film for being a six hour fucking film. You know, <laughs> yeah. people are starting to actually watch it because yeah. of the Boston film. The Boston film has gotten people to really be interested in, like, hey, what really happened at these airports? You know? Yeah. And I think it's good too what you do on your channel, which is uh, Truth or TV on YouTube. You clip stuff, you have two minute clips, five minute, maybe up to eight minute clips. Of oh, these the archives channels, yeah, yeah, have, the arch archives, yeah. That's very digestible for people, and I think now in our in our friggin' TikTok, Twitter, uh, whatever the hell the latest Twitter thing is, atten span. attention span. That's what yeah. you need to have, man. You almost need to have, you know, twenty seconds of my brother wearing a Trump wig talking about fucking <laughs> dancing Israelis or something, and that that's what we do, honestly, with our comedy. I mean, that's why comedy is attention getting and, and wearing a wig, doing a Trump impression, an Alex Jones impression. Or whatever impression, if it's good, oh, yeah. and you sprinkle in a little bit of uh, a little bit of truth in there, that's that's. I mean, it's tra it's transgressive and it's uh, attention getting, and that's. I, I don't know. I, I did a podcast with Daniel Hopsicker, who I, is another fabulous researcher that I have a lot of respect yeah, for, and he yeah, just concluded at the end of our stream. He said, "All we can do is laugh at him." So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and look, I'm all for the humor too because it's like I, I have to, but sometimes I I have to make make humorous subjects out of people prominent figures in 9-11 truth for yeah. the silliness they say it's like i want to play a kazoo <laughs> <laughs> yeah or have, yeah you banana know. peel effect or something yeah, yeah exactly. well so so we're coming up on an hour and i know we've talked we, we wanted to touch on stuff other than 9-11 you were on our i saw you on our chat when we had will Sargent from echo and the Bunnymen on and uh you have a really cool story um about hanging out with or being uh, like a body person or bodyguard for uh, two members of the Smiths, which is a, yeah. one of my favorite post-punk 1980s indie bands, um, and and certainly on this channel we love we like to talk about geopolitics and stuff. Yeah. But we're all, we're also big music guys, so you know, oh. tell us a story about hanging out with uh, Mike Joyce and Andy Work from the Smiths for a day. Yeah, but, but bodyguarding for half of the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story I've been wanting to tell because I, I've you know I only told it like a few times after it happened, but. This was in 2004, and I was working on Amoeba Music, and I had already kind of parted ways with uh, promoting, being a club promoter for Doss Bunker, and I was DJing for a Sunday club at the Ruby in, on Hollywood Boulevard, and um, it was for the 80s club Beat It. <clears throat> it was the promoter, um, Jason Lavitt, um, had another club going on on Saturdays called Shout that was kind of like mixed with 80s and indie and stuff that was kind of coming out now and he needed uh you know he he since i was kind of one of his djs he also used to come into the record store where i worked you know huge store it was and then he ended up asking me he's like would you would you ever do any kind of like you know because i did security also loss prevention at amoeba music ironically and and a little bit of customer help because i was really knowledgeable in the music and he asked, you know, would you would you be want to be a you know a bodyguard, you know, uh, um, would you do it for a night? I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like for what? He's like, I'm having Andy work and Mike Joyce from the Smiths, uh, uh, guest DJ on on you know next week, and I need somebody to hang out with them and kind of just like protect them and just you know be their friend, you know, their you know their entourage basically, you know. I'm like. Fuck yeah! <laughs> it's like I love the Smiths, you know. It's like you know, I, I mean, I've saw you know, I saw Morrissey's first tour. Uh, my God, what was it? Nineteen ninety, I think uh, that's when he when he came. But you know, it's like I, oh, I yeah, got into the Smiths like yeah. I mean, I got into the Smiths like right right when they had broken up, like right after Strange Ways, Here We Come, right before Viva Hate, you know, eighty seven, eighty eight. 
Yeah, that's 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 exactly when I first started to get into them. My cousin turned me on to them. Wow. And you know, so I was just like, you know, absolutely, you know, and um, you know, and and the part of the thing that were going on there is they actually had a Smith tribute band. It was the Sweet and Tender Hooligans, which is fronted by a guy who does Jose Maldonado is a singer, and uh, he does a, a really popular radio show on Sundays called Breakfast with the Smiths. And that's what he's also known for as well. But his band was to perform there whilst while also having half of the actual Smiths, you know, DJ afterwards and stuff. So, I mean, I hung out with them and, and um, we watched, uh, you know, I, I was like, even drinking with them too. Cause like I could, that's cool. you know, it wasn't like, wasn't like on a payroll or anything like that. So, you know, and one point I'm hanging out with him and we're even watching the tribute band. I'm like, watching the Smiths tribute band with half of the actual, you know, band members right next to me. And I'm, you know, I, I mean, you know, we're, we saw them, I remember like them commenting how much they really enjoy even playing. There is a light that never goes out. And I mean, you know, but anyways, uh, things got kind of weird throughout the night because about the time they started to get up there again to, to start to DJ, because they started getting really drunk and, I was a bit tipsy too. And um, there was one point where they were up at, uh, in their DJ booth. It was by a stage where the stage was used as a dance floor as well. And they were getting too many fans coming in asking for too much autographs for a while. So they asked to stop and they were getting sloppy. They said, <laughs> no, you know what? Just come and give us the records and then we'll sign it from the booth, you know, for me to manually do it. And I was doing that there. And then like Mike Joyce would get a Smith record and like, He'd scribble like over Morrissey's face, and then I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> that's crazy, cocky." You know, I'm almost like, "Wow," and I'm like, "Okay, cool." Then they said, "Stop, no more, no, no more." Like they're getting irritated, no more. So they don't, they just want the what wanted the, the the DJ door closed so they could just DJ from the booth of the window, you know, overlooking the club and the dance floor and the stage and. You know, they didn't want to be bothered anymore. And but because uh, I guess Mike Joyce was getting irritated. Well, then comes the uh, promoter, the club promoters, pay guy, the door guy that come to pay everybody, mm. you know, uh, the DJs and everyone. He goes and knocks on the door and nobody answers. And then he opened the door and then Mike Joyce just said, what the fuck are you? <laughs> he pushed him, get the fuck out of here. I'm getting tired of you people fucking. You know, oh, you know, like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, I and mean, they were all so drunk. They were, they were all so fucked up. And then, and there was like one of one of uh, Mike Mike Joyce and Andy Rourke's friend was there. It's like, no, no, Mike, Mike, calm down. No, this guy's here to pay you down. And he and he, and then like he even came towards me because I was watching the door, in, in the entry point, and he's like, what the fuck are you calling these people? This guy in. I'm like, I'm like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, I'm like, this is like, the, the club guy, you know, the the pay guy, you know. This is and the Biomi. This is the Biomi yeah. for the Smiths. <laughs> so, you know, he calmed them down and, like, made them real. And he started to apologize. Like, he gave me a hug and, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it was just, you know, it was cool afterwards, I guess, after that. But wow. Well, I you know, almost had to throw down with, like, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can understand them crossing out Morrissey's face because the lawsuit has Morrissey yeah. getting 40%, Johnny Marr getting 40%. Andy Rourke getting 10 and Mike Joyce getting 10. Yeah. So, and the session players and they played on all the Smiths albums. Yeah. And they, they, they played live for Morrissey even right afterwards for the, those, there's those live tracks or live shows in the UK. They yeah. Before. But you know what was weird? I saw, I saw an interview of him uh, like three years ago and funny enough, you know, he was still kind of like, talking somewhat good about Morrissey. He says, you know, actually he was the one that got me to be a vegetarian. Oh really? Like, fuck! I didn't even know you were one too. Yeah, because like, he wow. fired one of those guys. I don't, I, I don't want to say which one it was. One of them had a very bad heroin problem, and Morrissey supposedly just Mike. Mike just he, Mike. he wrote a little note, put it on his windshield, and said, "Oh, your services are no longer required in the Smiths." Put it on his windshield and fired him. But uh, yeah, I saw Morrissey perform in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, in summer of 2015. It was an awesome show. I got to say, awesome yeah. show. And I would see Morrissey again. I was supposed to see Johnny Mara play with the Killers, and that got canceled because of because um, of the Flu World Order. But uh, love the Smiths, man. That's a, that's such a oh, cool I, story. That's such I, a cool I, story. 
I, I love the the you know uh when he when johnny moore joined the the and played in those albums those are just those are great I, I didn't even know he was playing with the killers actually i was i'm surprised him yeah he, like, he was going to be the opening act for the killers and i mean you don't have the killers without the smiths and echo and the bunny men and um all those bands you know so but I think uh, they should just i think morrissey just they should just you know just 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 do it they just, should just, 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 just they do should. the show come on I mean, yeah, at this point, good. at this point, it's like, okay, who's going to reunite first, the Smiths or Oasis? Who needs the money? Is really what it comes down to. It's probably going to be Oasis, but you know, I, I, I still, I, I have hope because all four of them are still alive, Nelson, and they're not, That's they're not even, mean. they're not even that old. I'm going to see Paul McCartney, dude's fucking eighty years old. Oh, this, wow, <laughs> these these guys are young compared to most of the shows I go to. But uh, we could do a whole another episode about music, and I think we should, but. We're over an hour now, Nelson. Tell people where they can follow you and see your amazing research and support you. Your Patreon page, uh, give it to give it to the audience. Um, just go to my uh, channel, Truther TV. Uh, it should just pop up on YouTube. I do have a I do have a bit shoot. I do have a Vimeo. You can probably find nice. it there as well. But you can click on the, on the link or find me either at Thermal Detonator or Truther TV through Patreon. And there, I uh, put out a lot of exclusive stuff, stuff that I'm working on because they're, they're, I do want to work to put out a book, maybe even a couple of books. Uh, but I have like a lot of uh, interesting uh, stuff that I just haven't made public that that's quite alarming. And I think the real truth seekers, especially those that like to look into the Israeli angle, really need to really uh, become join. Absolutely. And we're going to do this again too, Nelson. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I, I had an absolute blast. And uh, the Mormon says, uh, let me just put up a quick chat here. Which McCartney are you going to get? I don't know. Billy Shears? Oh, yeah. There's a theory that, he, that there was a different, yeah, that he, that he died. or Yeah, that he died. And then uh, Fire Pixie says, uh, great show, guys, but Morrissey really does suck. <laughs> He's the controversial figure. Hey, Morrissey could have been involved in 9-11. We, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But everybody, thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a great night, and we'll see you soon. Woo.